With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Welcome back, Hawkeye fans, for another edition of the Hawkeye Nation Mailbag Podcast. I am your host, Hawkeye Nation publisher Rob Howe, with another edition of this podcast. It is Wednesday, uh, as it is every time that I do these, at least to this point. Um, Good hump day podcast, taking questions from you guys and answering them to the best of my ability. Today is May 6th. We're at about 1.25 p.m. Central Time here in Iowa City, uh, and I'm not going to waste a lot of time uh, blabbering. I'm going to try to get into these questions as soon as possible here. Uh, where to start? Where to start? Let's start with Facebook, being as I only have one question from there this week, as I've talked about on past HN Mailbag podcasts. These things are kind of... Um, uh, cyclical. Some some weeks I have a lot on Facebook and not as many on Twitter, uh, and then that uh, changes from time to time. So Nathan Mers on Facebook, on the HN Facebook page. If you guys would give us a follow on that, we would appreciate it. If you are a Facebook user, we have about 38,000 followers on there, so uh, pretty good traffic and conversation that goes on there if that's your mode of uh, social media. So Nathan Mers asks, who's the most underrated Iowa Hawkeye football and basketball players you can remember or undervalued by fans, would you say? Um, and you, you are asking for history-wise. I'm going to just go uh, with the 23 seasons, years, however you want to say it, that I've covered Iowa athletics as a journalist, uh, going back to the 1997 football season. Um, and for me, um, I, I kind of went Nathan with what popped into my mind. I sure if I thought about this more, I could come up maybe with some better names. Um, I don't want to say better names, but other names, um, for this, but Chauncey Leslie always pops up for me for basketball. He was, uh, he was a junior college transfer. He wasn't here long, you know, so maybe that, plays into people not appreciating his talent. But uh, I I think if you plopped Chauncey Leslie into this Iowa team with Fran McCaffrey's 
system, he would be he would be even better, uh, given a free reign. Really good two-way point guard. Uh, wasn't the greatest shooter in the world, but he could get his shot uh, in the defense long. Um, he's the guy that came to mind. And Jake Kelly also. Um, uh, I would love to have seen him in, in Fran's system as well. Uh, a longer combo type guard uh, who could shoot, uh, defend, um, obviously uh, had some tragedy in his life. So things didn't work out here and uh, it was the lick lighter time and a lot of uh, controversy and unrest during that time. So I don't think we saw the best from him. Football wise, I will go with Jordan Walsh, an offensive lineman, uh, pretty highly recruited kid, took a little while to get into the lineup. But once he did, I thought he was just a solid, solid football player. Uh, Sean Walsh is another one I think is overlooked as a four-year starter here. Um, a lot of the focus and attention on him is for, uh, you know, him coming out and talking about his depression and, and battles with mental health. And uh, I think that's part of his story, too, that makes it so intriguing. But he was a really good football player. And then Damian Sims, from a skill perspective, really good running back, um, versatile running back. Uh, fun running back, guy who was quick to cut, um, fun in the open field, fun with the ball in his hand. So hopefully that answers your question a little bit, Nathan. Those are guys that kind of popped into my head or off the top of my head. I, I would think about it more and maybe touch on this down the road, but I appreciate your question. And uh, that will do it for Hawk Hawkeye Nation Facebook page for today. Uh, let's go to the message boards next, and then we'll finish with Twitter today. Just kind of shake it up a little bit, and we'll start on the Hawkeye Nation football message board. That's getting a little bit more activity now. Uh, we've moved on. The basketball board was was um, getting receiving the, the most traffic, I guess, during the early part of this pandemic, uh, due in large part to us, uh, me allowing a coronavirus thread. Um, on the basketball message board and uh, I'm thinking, thinking about shutting that bad boy down here uh, as we get closer uh, to June and, and June would probably be the time that I shut it down at the latest. So just a, uh, for the, for the Hawkeye nation message board folks, just be aware that that thing is going to get locked up here at some point. Uh, and we're going to get back to just discussing sports on the Hawkeye nations, specifically Hawkeye sports. Uh, because there are other places for the discussion on social issues and what have you uh, away from the Hawkeye Nation message boards, and that's been a longstanding rule. So we will re, uh, uh, re-implement that, if you will, moving forward on the Hawkeye Nation, Nation message boards. And uh, conversation in that thread has kind of calmed down a little bit and also has been kind of reduced to a handful of posters. So I think uh, it's probably time or we're getting close to the time to shut that bad boy down. But anyway, on the Hawkeye Nation message board, starting with the football message board, uh, Moto Bassan has three questions today. Uh, we'll start with uh, what is our situation looking like at the fullback position? What do you expect to, who do you expect to see play? And what is the depth at that position? So Joe Ludwig was a guy who was backing up Brady Ross for much of last year. Um, 
he decided to enter the transfer portal, which wasn't talked about much, but I think it was in December that he announced that. Uh, and he ended up at Utah. So he is no longer in the program. I think he spent three years in the program, if I'm not mistaken. So kind of a veteran guy who led or, or uh, brought some stability to that position. He may have seen that uh, he was being passed by some of the younger guys or um, I, I never talked to Joe, so I don't want to put words in his mouth or speculate on it. But for whatever re reason, he decided to move on uh, and went to, ended up in the transfer portal and now is at Utah. But the remaining fullbacks on the roster, at least to this point, and, and there are, this is one of those positions where oftentimes uh, players are moved specifically from linebacker to fullback. So you could see that happening here when Iowa gets back to practice and, and maybe moving a guy over at linebacker who's not seeing from linebacker, who's not seeing reps there into the fullback that happened with Brady Ross. Uh, that happened with Drake Kulik, uh, John Kenny. I'm thinking of recent guys, a lot of guys, Tom Bush, a lot of guys moved from linebacker to fullback. I know I'm skipping names, but uh, if you follow Iowa football, you know, that's kind of the path or the pattern that uh, we've seen through the Kirk Ferentz era. But anyway, the guys, uh, Monty Potabom and Turner Palisard, uh, are the redshirt sophomores that are coming back. And then Johnny Pliwa, who's making Pliwa's younger brother, uh, is a, will be a redshirt freshman uh, when next season rolls around. So those are your contenders. Uh, I really don't know who has a lead on that. I'll have to check with Brady Ross. Uh, maybe he can give me some insight into who the next guy is. But uh, there is an open competition there. I wonder somewhat if that fullback position is going to be uh, de-emphasized to a degree next season with the amount of depth there is at wide receiver and tight end. Uh, I think we could see less of the fullback next year. Probably will come down to which of those guys emerges and how competent he is or they are at filling that position. So hopefully that answers the fullback position uh, question. Could you update us on the following Iowa football players? They were being highly touted as incoming recruits, but sort of disappeared. Are there injury or academic issues? Or are they just getting buried on the depth chart by better players? Sebastian Castro has only been here one year, um, not even a year. Uh, he was here, he came last June, uh, a safety out of the Chicago area. It, it's too early to say that he hasn't panned out um, just because he hasn't been here very long. I still have high hopes for Sebastian and, and wouldn't be overly concerned with that. I think he probably puts himself in the uh, safety mix this year. If he can uh, show well when they get back to practice, that strong safety spot is open. Um, and I would think he would throw his hat in there as well as da Dallas Craddeth. Dallas Craddeth, excuse me, the St. Louis uh, safety I would think that he would also throw himself into that opening and maybe have a chance to, to make some movement there. I would more likely see these guys make their first contributions on special teams and then go from there. Samson Evans, uh, uh, I was in contact with back towards the end of last season, maybe this off season, but just kind of checked in with him uh, when uh, his, his high school teammate uh, decided to, to move on. Um, what the heck was his name? Uh, let's see here. 
Jeff Jenkins, excuse me. I apologize for that, Jeff, if you're listening. Uh, my my memory is not what it used to be, but he was an offensive lineman from uh, Crystal Lake, Illinois, Prairie Ridge, the same as Samson Evans, and he has decided to retire from football. But uh, Samson Evans has kind of bounced around between wide receiver and running back. The last check, he was at running back, um, was a, was a uh, quarterback in high school, brought in as a wide receiver, uh, just hasn't found his spot yet, but I, in the last communication I've had with Samson, he's determined to to ride this thing out and give it at least one more year here to see if he can crack in, crack through, and uh, we'll see what happens with him. Calvin Lockett has dealt with injuries and now is de- dealing with a very loaded position at wide receiver. Also would not uh, uh, dismiss his future here. Sometimes it's just you're at a position where there, where there's more – experience and guys that get a chance ahead of you that end up playing well. So you just never know with injuries and things like that. He was a guy who was on the depth chart last year. I know the coaches really like him. He's from Marcus Pascal's uh, high school where, where Marcus coaches. Uh, I really like uh, some of his skills, some of his skill set. Another guy I think you just have to be patient with and Henry Marques, uh, a legacy Played special teams last year, started to kind of figure it out. Again, uh, was that wide receiver kind of a loaded position, has now moved to safety. Let's see what happens there. Let's see uh, how the defensive backfield shakes out, and maybe he can throw his hat in the ring there. He's also been playing baseball still, so possibility that that ends up being his sport. Uh, But none of those guys that I look at right now, I'd say, are ready to leave the program right now. Just kind of have to see how things play out. And then Bodebasan with the third question, hey, it's me again. If the COVID-19 virus keeps pushing back the start of football practices, is there a possibility teams temporarily go back to two-a-days to catch up? I think that's probably one of those uh, things they don't want to do. There's a reason they stopped doing that, uh, much to the chagrin of some of the coaches and players who would prefer that than than an extended practice period. Um, but it's a possibility and you just never know with this because I think you have to put all models on the table in a situation like this. It's unprecedented. So if it's possible, you could do that. You would, you just, it's about the health and safety of the athletes. So uh, possibility there. I don't think it's something they want to do or prefer to do, uh, but all possibilities as I said are probably on the table. Uh, Hawkeye's gone wild asks, how does Iowa stand in landing Will McLaughlin, a 2022 class of for, for 2022 class from Harlan, Iowa, a linebacker? Uh, as far as I know, he has not been offered. He's still being evaluated by by Iowa. Iowa State offered back, I think, in the fall, and has built a pretty solid relationship with him. Uh, it's hard to say what would happen if Iowa would offer as a kid that doesn't sign uh, until <laughs> like two years from now, uh, a little less than two years from now. So we'll see what happens there. But yeah, recruiting guys are committing earlier. So I certainly see uh, why that would be a question. Plus he's an in-state kid. Uh, he has an offer from somebody else too. I don't have his profile up in front of me. I think it may be Kansas State. Um, but yeah, a nice prospect in state for the 2022 class. Another thing to keep in mind with Iowa at linebacker, uh, with the uh, transition to using the cash position more, Iowa's not going as heavy on linebackers, so to speak. They're looking at those guys as possibilities. Um, 
of fitting into the linebacker picture they have now, but also the possibility of those guys potentially moving up to the to the uh, uh, defensive line, excuse me. Uh, so I was just not taking as many linebackers now. So that's a reason why you're not seeing as many linebackers being offered by Iowa. I was more, I think, more inclined to go for bigger safety types, more athletic guys that can play that cash spot or potentially play that cash spot or previously could have played Leo linebacker maybe or developed into that. Just think that the dynamic at the linebacker position is in transition right now for Iowa. Thank you for the question, Hawks Gone Wild, and we move to Grady. Which Big Ten schools do you think are best positioned to improve their recruiting compared to where they are now once the new name image likeness rules are implemented, realizing that the name image name image likeness guidelines are not yet finalized good question Grady and uh, I've thought about this I think Iowa is well positioned and you would think okay maybe a school uh, that's in a bigger um, it'll be interesting to see too as you said we don't know what what the guidelines are finalized I, I really am interested and we've talked about this before on the podcast I'm really interested to see how they manage this, how, how administrations and from the NCAA to the school administrations, they have to be pulling their hair out, thinking about how they're going to be able to um, monitor this uh, and make sure that it's legit. And it's not just bag men handing people money, uh, handing, you know, prospects money, uh, promising them things in the recruiting uh, on the recruiting trail about the money they can make off their image and likeness. It's as much as I like this for student athletes uh, as a way to maybe get a bigger piece of the pie, which I think they deserve. I'm, I'm kind of on that side of the fence that I don't think that, uh, you know, room board, uh, education, things like that, with the money that is being generated now by college athletics, major college athletics, at least prior to the pandemic, uh, and college coaches making, you know, uh, you know, a, a low set. I mean, Kirk Ferentz's $4 million a year isn't even, I don't even know if it's top five anymore in the Big Ten. Think about that. That's a lot of money. And you've got a lot of assistants making close to a million dollars a year. Um, I realize they're, they're, they're professionals, but they're not putting their bodies out there day in and day out. And, and the, the commitments that are being asked of these college athletes, uh, they deserve more. They just do. And maybe it's not the, the name image likeness. Maybe it's more of a trust fund that they get when they get out of college or, um, you know, health care for, for the, you know, for, for especially guys that have been injured in college, but I'm kind of going down, going off a rant, on a rant here and up on my soapbox. But to answer your question, Grady, you know, I think schools where um, that are in States where, you know, Iowa doesn't have a professional football basketball program, you know, at least on, on the, you know, in the major leagues or NBA, NHL, what have you. Um, I think I was positioned well for this because many times the University of Iowa athletes are the most recognizable athletes in the state. Um, unless you talk about, you know, uh, automotive racing drivers or, you know, Zach Johnson in golf or track athletes or things like that. Um, 
you know, that have gone professional, but for the most part, it's, you know, the, the Iowa athletes, Iowa state athletes, even you and I and Drake athletes who may be able to make some money uh, from doing, you know, commercials or, uh, you know, endorsing products, things like that. I, I think Iowa is certainly well positioned in that. I haven't really ranked them to think about it, but I think if you think about like Northwestern being in Chicago, I don't know in a, in a metropolitan area like that, how much um, endorsement money is out there for a Northwestern athlete. It would have to be somebody who's really recognizable. Um, I think you'll probably get that in Columbus because Ohio state is so big, even though it's a city. Uh, But I, I think the big 10 is really well positioned because a lot of the universities are in towns where those universities are, you know, it, they're big, um, you know, research institutions where um, the athletes are really well, you know, recognizable and, and, you know, part of conversation. And I think businesses in those towns, when, when things do open up after the pandemic, would, would you know, probably uh, look forward to being able to utilize some of these athletes in, in uh, marketing their products. Um, and I think, you know, I'm just thinking in my mind, even, you know, in West Lafayette or Bloomington or uh, State College, certainly, with how big Penn State is there, uh, almost to the point where uh, we've seen that it's detrimental. <laughs> but uh, I don't mean to laugh at that. It's just, I, I, it disgusts me, and that's what I can do right now. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I think that the Big Ten overall, Grady, is pretty well positioned to do that. I don't know how I would rank them. Maybe that's a column down the line uh, for me. So I appreciate the question. Uh, Hawk in three uh, asks, what, we as fans all have horror stories dealing with Nebraska fans. What, what are their media like? Do you meet any homers that aren't professional? Um, to be honest, and maybe this comes off as me sounding uh, – pompous but I don't interact with a lot of media from other schools unless I've known them over time guys that I've built relationship with relationships with Mike Carmen from West Lafayette is a guy that I know or guys that I remember from you know working in the, the scout network and and things like that but I'm old now so a lot of the younger guys I don't really have a connection with uh guys that are coming in now but uh I think there's a you know I think the landscape uh is such that, you know, I think, you know, from when I came and started on the Iowa beat in 1997, it's definitely changed where, you know, objectivity and being partial and things like that, even in mainstream media, isn't what it used to be. And that's just the way things have gone. And, you know, you have more homers and cheerleaders and I, you know, I get involved in that as well. I, I pull for Iowa. I, I know these athletes. Uh, I know the coaches. I, I hope that they do well. I try to remain as objective and impartial as I can it, with that model, but uh, fully admit that uh, I, I pull for Iowa, and I think you get that in a lot of schools, and I think you just get varying degrees of that. Um, guys that uh, uh, and gals that, that maybe go a little bit overboard in terms of supporting uh, the programs that they cover, but it's just an ever-evolving um, uh, landscape. And I would say that I wouldn't say Nebraska is any worse than others. Uh, I see it 
you know, from Penn State, Michigan State, Ohio State. I think it's all kind of just the the general um, environment that we live in as media people. But uh, um, yeah, certainly the Nebraska fans. There are we've seen some some coverage that may that's been over the top here in recent years in terms of uh you know i think reaching and uh maybe painting a picture that isn't there but whatever they need to do i guess to um appeal to their readership or listenership i guess is what you do these days so i'll move on from that before i get myself in any trouble uh hawk 90 do you see any incoming freshman possibly starting if you talked about this before, sorry, I missed it. I don't think anybody's asked this, Hawk90. And, uh, I, you know, incoming freshmen starting, I, it's just not very uh, common. Were there any that started last year? Maybe I'm missing some uh, true freshmen that came in and started last year. Nobody's coming to mind uh, if there was someone. Tyler Goodson, uh, he started, at, you know, but that wasn't until November. Um, Sam Laporta. I'm not sure he started any games, but obviously he was the he emerged as the best threat in the passing game at tight end. Um, so there's always a possibility, but if you think about it, both of those guys did not emerge till after the halfway point of the season. So it's hard in you know in May to predict who that may may be. I guess if we're if we're looking for the obvious guy here, we go with Tor- Tory Taylor, the punter out of Australia, who's coming in on scholarship, a guy who I think Iowa wouldn't mind at all if he's able to win the punting job that was vacated by his countryman, Michael Sleep Dalton, who uh, exhausted his eligibility after being a graduate transfer from Arizona State and really stabilized that position last year. Um, But I would say that uh, he is certainly the guy that I would say most likely to win a starting spot. But, you know, other than that, I'm, I'm not really seeing it. Um, I think there are guys that could possibly figure into playing time, uh, maybe not starters. And I think we maybe have talked about that. Um, YA Black, uh, Deontay Craig, maybe at defensive end because there are some unknowns there and some competition going on there. I think a guy like uh, Reggie Bracey and the defensive backfield could have a possibility. Logan Jones, I think, is an advanced defensive uh, defensive lineman who could possibly get into a rotation. A.J. Lawson at cornerback is a possibility. Um, wide receiver is going to be tough. Offensive line is going to be tough. I think running back is going to be tough. Uh, but possibly Gavin Williams and or LaShun, LaShun Williams uh, getting some reps in the backfield, depending on how things – and then tight end. I, I think – we're overlooking a guy like Sean Beyer. I think as a fifth-year senior, I think he's ready to take the next step. Um, and then you you match him with Laporta and then possibly Josiah Mayaman, who was here last year and, you know, does a, an Elijah Yelverton or a Luke Lachey, are they able to uh, get into that um, – get into that rotation or get into you – know, break through for playing time? So some names there that I would throw out uh, as possibilities. Uh, maybe Isaiah Bruce on the defensive line. I think he probably needs a little bit more development just from a physical standpoint, but uh, uh, certainly uh, technically he's pretty sound. Um, so there are some names there. If I'm, if, I'm, if I'm having to pick a guy, though, it's probably Tory Taylor, the punter from Australia. And I appreciate that question, Hawk90, and we move on to Creeksider. 
from a GQ article on Jason Isbell. Well, I don't read GQ, so I know I have not seen this. On Twitter, there is a running joke among sports writers, not usually the most persuadable group, that I would agree with, that Isabel has replaced Bruce Springsteen in their very limited pantheon. Nobody had gone after them before, Isabel said. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Grinning, when I asked if he noticed this, everybody thought it's like the line from Leonard Cohen's famous book, Blue Raincoat. You know, I thought it was there for good, so I never tried. <laughs> You thought nobody could win over the cold heart of sports writers of America, but you were wrong. So, Rob, are you an Isabel fan? Any sports colleagues from here, around here? That's a good question. I will ask around, Creeksider. I am not a Jason Isabel fan. And to be honest with you, I, I vaguely had heard his name before, but I could not have placed the tune if somebody paid, played it and said, hey, this is Jason Isabel. And I'm probably mispronouncing his name. Uh, but I did look at your question earlier today, and I, and I threw a couple songs on Be Afraid and Cover Me Up, which were the two songs that came up first uh, when I Googled his name and then hit videos. And I'm going to say not really my style. Um, I have a pretty wide-ranging um, uh, musical taste over, you know, various genres of music. I don't, I wouldn't say I'm a rock fan or an R&B fan or a rap fan, but I listen to uh country fan. I listen to different artists in all of those genres. So I'm not opposed to listening to it. And I'm not a big Bruce Springsteen fan either. Those that know me know I moved from New Jersey and that was a head scratcher for people back there. <laughs> but I've just, and uh, I know Fran McCaffrey and Kirk Ferentz are big Springsteen fans, but a uh, few songs I like from Bruce, but I would not say I'm a boss uh, enthusiast to the point where I uh, listen to his music a lot. I listen to it now and then, but uh, uh, maybe someday here in the next few weeks when the topics run dry, we can talk more about music on this podcast and, and maybe some artists that I listen to, but uh, I want to keep moving here on this podcast. Any idea on how heavy Logan Lee is these days? This is from Nike Hawk 21. Kind of look at his move to defensive tackle is similar to Linderbaum at center, where you just have to know the staff knows what they're doing. The way they talk about this kid, I think they are pretty high on him. Last year's program listed him at 251. I'd like to think he'd have to get up to about 275 to be playing reps on the inside there. Yeah, I would probably agree with you, Nike, and I don't have an update. Um, we usually get the new weights in the summer, and, and obviously we've been over this ground. Uh, Iowa was able to complete its eight-week training program in uh, the January, February, March kind of off-season deal that they do. They were able to complete that right before campus shut down. So 
Uh, I'm sure they had some weight ideas then, but now that guys are home and training on their own, it's really hard to monitor where guys are at physically. I did look up Linderbaum Nike, and he came into Iowa, and you probably saw this too, at two, listed at 260 and played at 286 last year, uh, a year after being in the program. So if you look at Logan Lee being at 251, Perhaps he put on the 25 pounds and is in that 275 range, and that would ideally, at least from the ground level. But I always played with smaller defensive tackles before. Mitch King was no, no, you know, heavyweight. Uh, neither was uh, Nate Budgeta. I don't. Brady Reef isn't isn't that big of a guy either. Uh, he's a little bigger than some of those other guys. But Matt Kroll, they've been able to use guys. Uh, even uh, Louis Trinkapasat initially. Uh, wasn't that big. So I, I think they see kind of that in Logan Lee. Um, and you're right, they have talked highly of him. And I'm very anxious to see what he can do in this program, really get athlete. Um, and I think he will develop into a player, whether or not that him moving into the rotation this year, I'm not sure. Uh, there's definitely, you know, an opening there, a possibility. Uh, but who's to say Logan Jones doesn't come in and hit the ground running? I really like him as well. So be interesting to see how things shake out there and how much practice time there is to evaluate, uh, you know, who, you know, who deserves a spot in that, that defensive line rotation. And that's something I could certainly see developing as the season goes on. I could see guys emerging maybe that aren't there and aren't ready when Iowa first gets back to practice, but after getting, you get some, you know, get some reps behind them, guys that, that can emerge, kind of like Sam Laporta did at tight end last year, um, you know, as a guy that was able to emerge, Tyler Goodson at running back. I can see that maybe halfway through the season, but it's so hard to know. It's so hard to know how this season's going to play out and, you know, when it's going to be played even. So, but with, uh, you know, with that in mind, I, I certainly like Logan Lee and, and his potential in the future. Um, I'm going to move along to the basketball board here. And TRJ asks, assuming Garza comes back and barring injuries, what can derail Iowa from having a special season other than the Rona? Yeah, I mean, that's the, that's the main one. What, what's, the, what's the future hold in that regard? Um, the things that – and I've talked about this before, TRJ. I, I think this team – I don't think you're going to have a chemistry problem uh, and I think these guys really like each other. And I don't think you're going to find jealousy or things like that, those, those little um, intangible things that you wonder how they might affect a, a, a roster. With so many guys coming back and the unusual nature of that in college basketball where you have such a veteran roster, uh, it wouldn't surprise me at all. You know, you look at Luca Garza, who averaged 26 points a game last year, people say, well, he should average 28 or what I Luca, I could see Luca being fine, not welcoming, but understanding that it's the best for the team to play fewer minutes and maybe statistically take a step back, maybe average more rebounds with maybe fewer points and have the offense spread out a little bit more with Jordan Bohannon coming back and Jack Nungy and Patrick McCaffrey, guys like uh, CJ Frederick's game advancing. You hope Joe Wieskamp finds more consistency. Uh, Joe Toussaint, um, 
as I said, Bohannon, I, I think you can spread things out a little bit more. I think the, and I think guys are welcoming that. I think winning is the most important thing for these guys and they develop the culture and the chemistry that I don't think that's something that would derail this team. I think you're looking at injuries again. If something were to happen to Luca, uh, if something were to happen to Wee's camp, um, you know, Bohannon again, uh, Connor McCaffrey, some, you know, key parts of the CJ Frederick suffers through injuries again. I think that's the thing that could derail this team. I think that's maybe the only thing that can derail this team. I think this team is poised if there's a season to be really, really good next year. Yeah. Teams will adjust to them and there are good recruits coming into this league and players coming back. Um, but I would make Iowa my favorite to win the Big Ten right now based on, you know, Gar if Garza comes back, which I think he will, which I think is a question down the line here. But um, thank you for the question, TRJ. And I would say injuries um, is, is the one factor. I'm, I'm not thinking of something that could derail this team right now. Um, Holmes asked, does Iowa go after – the one-and-done kids very hard. It seems to me that an occasional one-year player could be disruptive to the continuity of the program versus a continual line of them like Duke and Kentucky level program where the next cast. The thing is with a lot of these one-and-done guys, and there aren't really a ton of them, Holmes, I appreciate the question, they mostly end up at Duke and <laughs> Kentucky and North Carolina. So I think Iowa's interested in them. And Iowa pursues them. You, you know, you look at a, a kid like Suggs from Minnesota, uh, who Iowa went after hard and, and was doing well with, and he's going to Gonzaga, and we'll see if he ends up being a one and done. But Iowa's not, you know, opposed to going after those guys, just like Iowa goes after five stars in football recruiting. But there's a hierarchy here, excuse me, where the, the you know, the, the blue chip guys usually end up going to the blue blood program. So, I think Fran does a good job of understanding when to um, jump off, you know, jump off the, the, the train, get off the train for a certain kid if it looks like it's heading to a way where it's not worth the time and energy. But I think he sticks with guys, that, you know, regardless of what they're ranked or, or you know, what their uh, pedigree is, as long as he thinks he has a chance. And that's part of the you know, the, the process of, of evaluating for coaches is to figure out, you know, what, where you stand with a prospect and when it's time to cash in your chips and move on um, or continue on. So I don't think Iowa is at all opposed to going after one and done kids. And I think they would gladly take a very talented kid that could be one and done. Uh, if, as you said, and, and, and I, you know, kind of piggybacking TRJ's question about culture uh, and guys that fit, I think that has to be part of the equation too. I think that's big for both Iowa football and basketball and wrestling and Iowa women's basketball and baseball. I think Iowa is in a spot right now it's in the athletic program, excuse me, where uh, most of these coaches have a real, done a real good job of establishing a culture and finding fits through recruiting. Uh, Hawk, Hawks, Hawkeye's gone wild. Who will lead the team in three-point shooting percentages coming here? Thank you. That's a really good question, Hawks gone wild. Um, yeah, so let's, 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 uh, let's narrow this down to three, and they're probably the three that you're thinking is, of as well, and most of the people listening to this podcast uh, will be thinking of as well. Um, Joe Wieskamp, C.J. Frederick, 
Jordan Bohannon. Those are your three uh, uh, candidates, contenders, if you will, uh, for the three-point shooting percentage coming next year. Whew, this is tough. Um, I'm going to go uh, with C.J. Frederick here. Uh, and I don't know why. I think when you look at Bohannon, he is more of a clutch three-point shooter, uh, can be streaky with that. Most, most outside shooters are streaky, but I, he really uh, goes through streaks. And I, I think the same can be said for, for Wieskamp. When they're in the groove, they're really tough. I just look at Frederick, and I think, you know, pure um, release, um, quick release uh, and accuracy, he's the guy that kind of sticks out to me. Um, he'll, he'll get into some funks here or there, but he seems to be the most consistent of that trio. So I'm going to go with C.J. Frederick. Um, SSC Kelly with how is John doing these, these days? <laughs> Oh, I appreciate SSC asking questions, non-sports related. Um, I think he's also the one. In fact, I know he's the one who asked me my favorite uh, fast food hamburger. And now we're looking at um, the reduction of, of meat being available to us. So uh, that may make me, I'm starting to get hungry here. I haven't eaten lunch and it's two o'clock. Um, John is doing well. Uh, I've been, I, I'm in contact maybe once a week, every couple of weeks with John, just kind of see how he's doing. He's moving from uh, the Tulsa, Oklahoma area back to the Kansas city area. Uh, I, I'm not sure when that is, but I, I think it's in the near future. So he'll be back closer to Iowa. Maybe we can get him coming back to, to some Iowa games and, and joining you guys at tailgates, but John's doing well. I think he, I think he misses this to a degree, but I also think it was something that he needed to back away from. Uh, and you can follow him on Twitter. He's, he does jump in with some thoughts on, on, on Iowa athletics and, and, you know, interacts with some folks on there when he can. Uh, but I think he wanted to spend more time with his family. Um, and that's worked out well for him and with his uh, energy business. And that's worked out well for him. So I would say overall, John is uh, doing very well right now. And uh, who knows? Maybe we'll see him jump back in at least partially to some Hawkeye coverage of some sort down the road. We'll have to see how that shakes out. I, I and I joke with John about this. Uh, what uh, you know, whether or not he's going to get the itch at some point, and I think he will. And maybe he finds uh, you know where something like this fits into his life uh, as his his girls grow older uh, and he's able to. Um, uh, fit it in better uh, with with his you know his life his personal life and his uh, his main occupation. So I would love to to work with John again. And we always joke about that when we uh, you know we we started together in 2003 at Hawkeye Nation, which was at the Insiders or Scout or whatever it was after he left Rivals, um, and then we were together from. 2003 to 2009 when he took Hawkeye Nation independent uh, and then we were separated for six years while he was independent with Hawkeye Nation and I was with uh, Scout uh, and then we came back again in December of 2015 and then he decided to retire from this uh, you know at the beginning of this year 
And uh, I think we both kind of in the back of our mind are, are thinking about a chance to uh, get back together again at some point and work together because we enjoy that. So good friend of mine, John, good person. And uh, I, I've always wished him well and, and tried to give him the best advice I could give him in terms of, uh, you know, how I feel he could be most happy as he does with me as well. So thanks for asking that question. And, uh, and I always enjoy talking about John and uh, what he and I have done together in this business. Uh, Robbie uh, Cropful, Cropful. I'm not sure how you say your last name, Robbie. You're going to have to, uh, the, we, oh, I'm sorry, we've moved on to Twitter questions now. And I apologize if I did not answer your question today on Twitter, but I'm going to stick with the the HN mail hashtag that I've asked you guys to use or requested that you guys use. It just makes it easier for me to be able to locate these questions on Twitter and I don't have to go through my notifications and kind of comb through those for where your questions are, uh, especially on a day today, like today when Keegan Johnson from Bellevue, Nebraska committed to Iowa and there's a lot of interactions on my notifications that aren't related to this podcast. Um, so good day for Iowa recruiting, by the way. Uh, Keegan Johnson keeps the train rolling. Iowa now up to 15 recruits um, and pulled this one way, a legacy from Nebraska away from, <laughs> away from the Omaha area. Um, and uh, third, third uh, receiver to commit to Iowa in the last week or so. So Iowa doing well on the recruiting trail, but Robbie uh, Cropful asks at Robbie underscore Cropful on Twitter asks, Hey Rob, where does Iowa sit with quarterbacks in the 2021 class? Do you have a prediction on which quarterback will commit? Yeah, this is a question that's uh, been thrown around a little bit on, uh, on uh, our Hawkeye nation message boards as well. Uh, the, the quarterback recruiting is a, is a strange dynamic, and especially, um, now with uh, the transfer portal and guys coming and going, uh, you know, at that position, if they're not uh, seeing the, the the window to playing time, there we see we've seen a lot of guys, um, a, a frequent, you know, a, a good number of Iowa guys uh, leave the program uh, at that position if it looked like they weren't going to play. Um, but yeah, well, I was offered plenty of quarterbacks in this class uh, that have ended up committing to other schools and other uh, Hawkeye Nation users, readers, message board folks, Twitter. Uh, excuse me, I've heard people talk about, you know, with the projected starter being a redshirt sophomore at Spencer Petrus, and then you're bringing in, you know, a, you, you know, you brought in a pretty highly regarded guy in Alex Padilla in last year's class, who's now been here who was a mid-year enrollee, and now you're bringing in, you know, four-star induced Hogan in this class, there is, that does factor in. When you have underclassmen like that, that are, you know, freshmen and sophomores on your roster, and Iowa has three on scholarship now, that's going to make it harder to recruit quarterbacks in this 2021 cycle because, you know, prospects aren't seeing that path and they, they're concerned with how long they'll have to wait for playing time. And you can tell them till you're blue in the face, hey, it's open. If you can come in and win the job, it's yours, all that stuff. They, they see, they see what, the, what the depth chart looks like. And it's one of the main things that quarterbacks look for. So to answer your question, um, Robbie, uh, you know, in, in looking at what's, what, what I was offered to this point, 
the one guy you're looking at who hasn't committed that we know of that has an offer uh, is Donovan McCulley, a uh, dual threat in the, out of Indianapolis. He's a really good thrower um, as well as being able to run, and he would be more of a guy that's not maybe your standard dual threat. Um, I think he's a versatile athlete that could also play other positions. Um, but I could see him fitting into Iowa's system. Now you have to convince a guy like that um, that you're going to be able to best utilize his talents in Iowa's pro-style system, and that could take some doing. But he did list a top five recently, and Iowa was in there. So he is certainly the guy right now who's like at, at, he may be at the top of the board. He may be the board right now when we're talking about scholarship offers. This is a position also where quarterback coach Ken O'Keefe is a guy who really likes to get out and see these guys. And with the pandemic, this is really what's going to hurt Iowa is he's not going to be able to get out this, this month in May. This is the month where, where the coaches get out on the road normally when there's not a pandemic and are able to you know, meet these guys, talk to their coaches, talk to people in the school, talk to people in the community, and then watch them perform, watch them throw. Uh, and that's often a time where Iowa, you know, offers kids in May. With this pandemic and there being a dead period extended through at least the end of May, they're not going to be able to do that. So I could see Iowa waiting until, and this is, this is you know, not taking into account maybe Iowa, not Iowa, but the NCAA allowing maybe more uh, coaches to go out on the road sometime in the summer if recruiting opens back up again, I'm, I'm not considering any of that because I, I don't know any of that. I, I would say that uh, there's a chance. And if you think, you know, speaking of, of Spencer Petrus, he's a guy who did not commit to Iowa till the month of December before he enrolled at Iowa. So his senior season and Iowa got to the point then where um, it had a younger Nate Stanley as its starter and found it hard to recruit guys because prospects were looking at the depth chart. So I was back in that position again, where it's got to convince a kid that it can come in, he can come in and develop. Um, and they were lucky to get Spencer Petrus and excuse me. So Iowa, I, I could see what a long story short here is I could see Robbie, Iowa waiting till later in the process to find a quarterback. I was good at identifying guys uh, and being able to develop guys. So this is, I, I'm not saying this will be the case, but there's a chance that it goes into the football season. If there is a football season, when there is a football season where Iowa waits till it, Ken O'Keefe can get back on the road again and evaluate these guys before offering somebody. Now that's not to say they, they won't evaluate somebody on film or they don't have somebody in mind that they can extend an offer to. Um, but I, I, I really think, and if I'm making a prediction here, I think that Iowa will get a quarterback in this class and I, it may be a name that is not out there yet. I, I think that's certainly a distinct possibility uh, for what could come here with this position. And it's not uncommon that Iowa finds itself in the position because of the reasons that we've gone over. Uh, Jake Markham, Jay Markham, thirteen thirty-seven on Twitter. Do you feel everyone is coming back for basketball? If they do, would basketball season be Big Ten title and Final Four or bust? Yeah, yes. Uh, and I discussed this earlier in the podcast, Jake, from a, 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 a previous user asked the question about if I expected everybody back, and I do. I think Luke will end up coming back. 
And I think he's probably leaning that way. Um, but man, putting expectations of a Big Ten title or Final Four or bust is really hard to put on. There are so many factors that go into, um, excuse me, making a Final Four. Luck is certainly involved. Um, winning a Big Ten title, luck is certainly involved. Unbalanced schedules, things like that play into it. I would be hard-pressed. And this is just me. Everybody has to come up with their own expectations. I don't like to put championship or bust expectations, final four or bust expectations on a program. I will say that I think Iowa would be the favorite to win the Big Ten, and I think Iowa would be among the top ten teams going into the season. How that plays out, you just never know. And, again, could be, int- could be injuries, uh, things like that that could play into it. Uh, particularly to a key member if Luca got hurt or something like that. Um, but, you know, I'm sure there'll be a segment of the fan base and the players and coaches would be disappointed too whenever they lose or if they don't win a championship. Uh, but I don't think you can say a season is a failure if you don't win a championship or make it to the Final Four. Uh, if Iowa finished second in the Big Ten and made a run to the Elite Eight, I think people would be pretty happy with that. At least – um, I would say, you know, rational people, <laughs> if I can use that word. And again, you know, expectations are up to each individual fan. So um, that's up to you, what you, what you would expect. Uh, let's see, Hawkeye Pizza Guy, Hawk underscore Nation 71 asks, any recent news on Oliver Martin? Could be wrong, but heard a rumor. He was exploring the transfer portal. Also, I've heard rumors stemming back to his initial recruitment that his parents rubbed the coaching staff the wrong way. Um, I don't know that. And I've not heard that. And uh, yeah, I don't know if that's the case at all. Um, Coaches are pretty good about explaining to players and their parents what the expectations are and what the plan is. No, it doesn't always go as planned. Um, but the guys that played ahead of Oliver were productive last year. So, and, and I go over this often and I feel like I, I, I should, I talk about it um, maybe more than I should, but sometimes I feel like it, it gets lost on people and they don't think about it as much because there's that mix of pro and college fans and in Iowa that mes, you know, meshes a little bit more, melt, melts together a little bit more because there isn't a professional team, but guys get better in college. And who's to say that Oliver Martin won't take a huge jump and get himself more playing time next year now that he's had more time in the system. Um, But then again, he could see the four guys that produced ahead of him last year and say, Hey, I'm not going to play here and decide to go somewhere else. I don't know. Um, I, you know, he's certainly not happy not playing. I'll tell you that, but he also was dealing with an injury at times last year too. So I get the Oliver Martin thing, and I know that's always going to be a topic as long as his career is going and while he's here. Um, but I think you should look at the wide, wide receiver position as one that was as, as productive as any in the Kirk Ferentz era last year and a chance to be the most productive, uh, especially over a two-year run in Kirk Ferentz era. Um, and there's competition at practice, and the coaches are going to try to play the players that give them the best chance to win. Um, and I root for Oliver. I like Oliver. I like his dad, Jeff. Um, I like the family. I would love to see a local kid do well. 
And uh, hopefully he's uh, working on that and ends up getting, uh, you know, reps this year and helping the team win games. And uh, we saw last year that guys get dinged up and uh, openings happen. You know, hope that doesn't happen. But uh, if there's an opportunity there, I hope Oliver takes it. Uh, Kyle, at Kyle Bolin on Twitter, asked, who is the one Hawkeye football player whose career was sidetracked by injuries you'd give four years of perfect health? I'd like to have seen what Jay Shield could have done on the field. Jay Shield's definitely one that comes to mind right away for me. Um, but I'm going to stretch back um, to the earlier Kirk Ferentz years and go with Jermel Lewis, a running back out of Connecticut who still lives in the area. I think he may be an assistant coach at Cedar Rapids Jefferson. Um, but uh, he was nicknamed by his teammates Skills, and that's because he had them. He had them in abundance. His skills uh, – <laughs> His, his skill, skills barrel, if you will, was overflowing. And uh, we saw that um, in 2002 when he, uh, he and Fred Russell were both playing together. And then just he could not stay healthy after that. And I just wonder what – I think he was as talented as any running back that Kirk Ferentz ha has had. And that includes Sean Green, Liddell Betts, uh, Albert Young, uh, Akram Wadley, uh, Tyler Goodson. Uh, whoever I'm forgetting, uh, do you want to throw in there? Uh, Jamel Lewis may have been the most talented of that group. So if I'm picking a guy who I would give four years to health to, and there'd be a lot of guys I wish I could give it to because I hate in in when injuries derail careers. Uh, but Jamel Lewis, I think, um, watching him for four years being healthy uh, would have been really, really fun. But thank you for the question, Kyle. Jake Schaefer um, checks in with, assuming Kronk fills worse role, and that's Coy Kronk, the graduate assist or graduate uh, transfer from Indiana, who started 40 games at Indiana, started as a true freshman at left tackle. Uh, so Jake Schaefer at jschaefe 11 on Twitter asks, excuse me, Assuming Kronk fills Wurfs' role, being right tackle, and considering the Hawks return four offensive line starters and a healthy bandwork, will offensive line play improve this year? Man, I hope so, Jake. I think it can, as you mentioned, uh, with the experience, Linderbaum in year two at center, uh, uh, Mark Kallenberger taking a step forward last year, Kyler Schott taking a step forward, uh, Alaric Jackson is a four-year starter at left tackle. Uh, you talk about Banwart, uh, who started every game in which he was healthy the last two years. Um, Kronk stepping in there. I think the competition is going to be great on that offensive line, and I look forward to it. And then you talk about some of the younger guys, um, you know, Jack Plum, guys that are starting to, you know, be three years into the program, how they can push their way. I think the offensive line will be better. How much better, I'm not sure, but Iowa does need to find a way to get its running game going and being more consistent. So, uh, yeah, so that was the last question. I appreciate that question, Jake. Um, would hope to see a step forward from the offensive line. Again, guys, if I did not get to your question on Twitter, it's because you didn't use the HN mail hashtag, and I apologize. I'm not trying to be a dick. 
um, but it's just easier to find because today I'm looking at my notifications here and I've got like 30 plus notifications I haven't even looked at yet and trying to comb through those for questions without the hashtag, just too difficult. So I apologize uh, if I missed your question, but I do appreciate everybody's questions from Facebook to the Hawkeye Nation message boards to Twitter. Thoroughly appreciate and, and, and you know, extend my gratitude for you guys participating in this podcast. It's gotten a lot of positive feedback. I enjoy as answering your question and questions and talking Hawkeye sports. Hopefully you should listen to our, the other podcasts on our, on our HN feed uh, from the Hawkeye nation main uh, flagship podcast that I do with uh, Andrew Downs uh, to the Hawkeye history podcast, which we've gotten into a groove of posting uh, every week to the prospect podcast that we've got into a groove of posting every week. Sometimes I'll post podcasts of interviews that we do with some of the Iowa coaches on our feed. So please check our Hawkeye Nation podcasts uh, for uh, pretty consistent and uh, steady content if you're a podcast listener. And thanks again for all your questions. Thank you for listening. This is Rob Howe with Hawkeye Nation, the publisher of Hawkeye Nation, thanking you again for listening and give, um, asking questions of me. And we will talk to you again next Wednesday.